This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. It's great to see you again. I've heard it said, and you might have as well, I've heard it said that alpacas are like sheep, but with long legs and long necks. Well, I kind of understand why people say that, but it's not actually true. There are similarities, and we'll touch on some of those. But I wanted to talk about some of the unique characteristics of alpacas. Here are 10 unique things about alpacas. Let's start with the feet. They have toes. They have two toes. Uh, Rather than a hoof, which sheep would have, they've got a pad. So they've got a pad, soft pad. It's more like a dog's paw, really. And then they have the two toes and the the nails are there and they grow and we get fascinated by the ongoing need to trim those. Now, some more than others will need trimming and we don't need to get so exercised. We don't need to get so worried about having to keep the toenails trimmed. Uh, But it is something that needs to be done. And for some, as I say, more than others. There's an interesting thing which seems to be linked genetically to some of the whites, particularly maybe to do with a a white spot gene in there. I'm not quite sure about that bit, but certainly some of the whites. They can end up with the the back feet, particularly the, the external toe, the outside toe on both sides, can tend to turn a bit more. And therefore, it doesn't wear equally. It doesn't wear in as much as the others do. So this particular one grows longer. And if you don't keep your eye on it and don't keep it trimmed, then it will grow and become... I've seen some uh, when I've been helping with shearing and things for other people, but I've seen some where they can end up almost like a parrot beak. (laughs) It grows so much. It's not being worn and it just keeps growing and it curls around. So you may see that. And uh, there seems to be some connection with them being white exactly what's going on there? I'm not quite sure, but that's an observation. So these amazing feet that they have, so a soft pad, quite strong and robust as well, but they, it's more of a pad, it's not a, not a hoof. Between the toes, you need to check things. They don't get foot rot in the same way as sheep, but they do get something between the toes. It kind of get a bit messy and a bit smelly in there. So and now and again, it's good to have a poke around, clean it out. I'm sorry, they're not going to like this. So do it gently do it carefully, and it may need a washout, may need a, a bit of treatment for something that's going to stop uh, fungal growth, that kind of thing, as well as any particular things. You might get seeds in there, you might get a little bit of injury. D- dogs are a bit like that, aren't they? They can sometimes get a seed, grass seed, between the toes, and it kind of burrows into the skin and it causes an infection, um, an inflammation. So you just need to be aware of various things around the toes. But they've got two toes with a soft pad. Interesting. Let's jump to the other end, or the top end, the ears. Now, an alpaca has what are referred to as spade-like ears, and they're straight, basically. They have straight, some of them are quite long, some of them are quite hairy, 
but they have straight ears. When you think about a llama and an alpaca, that's one of the main, main differences that you'll see very quickly. One is the height, obviously, and the, the, just the size of a llama compared to the relatively <laughs> compact size of an alpaca. But the ears are different. Straight, spade-like for alpacas and longer and sort of bending over. Banana shape. Depends on the shape of the banana, I know. Okay. But the ones typically get, they just got to bend on them and they they kind of go bending towards the, the middle of the head. And that's distinctively llama, not alpaca. Alpacas have straight ears. Still on the head? Let's think about the mouth. The mouth. Mm, they, they have very interesting mouths. They've got a, a split top lip. So got two, two parts to the lips at the top, one lip to the bottom. The teeth. Inside they have a range of teeth at the front, bottom, which come up against a, a dental pad, a, a pad, not teeth, but a pad at the top in the mouth. And they use that to catch the grass. And they, there's a little tug that they make. It's a little movement of the head, which just kind of pulls. And sometimes you will see them tugging upwards and sometimes you'll see them tugging downwards. Um, but it varies a little bit with the alpaca. Individuals are slightly different. But also, I think it depends on the grass, how long it is, but also um, what kind of grass it is, whether it's hard or whether it's just very soft and uh, leafy kind of grass. So the teeth... At the back, they have the molars, are two up, up, upper and lower set, and they grind the thing. So they're, they're, we'll come back to the di digestion system in a minute, but um, they're grinding. They'll, they'll chew the cud, so they bring up a mouthful of collected grass, and then they grind it even finer and then swallow it down again. Something I didn't know when we first had alpacas, did you know? Your teeth are deciduous. <laughs> okay, what's a deciduous tree? It's a tree that loses its leaves in the winter, in the autumn. It drops in the fall. It drops the leaves. Deciduous, so they're not there all the time. The teeth that we have, we call them baby teeth or milk teeth. And we, young young children do change their teeth, don't they? The, the, the bigger adult teeth start to come through and push out the little ones, which they've had um, as young children, as young babies, as milk teeth. And you go through that old teething, something old saliva and oh, messy and tears and goodness knows what, so all that teething problems. Alpancas have deciduous teeth. Nobody told me that. I didn't know that. That was one of those little facts that eluded me until one day I saw an alpaca with a gap in its mouth. There's a teeth missing. There's a tooth missing at the front there. Where's it gone? What's going on? I was really quite worried. And it turned out this is the explanation. They do have some earlier teeth. It's probably 18 months, two years that they change. Varies a little bit depending on the, the individual animal. But they're there. And the new ones come in behind and push out these, these ones so they lose them. They, the other ones come in quite quickly. They just reposition, I think, slightly. And these teeth being deciduous, they lose them. But also they, they grow all the time. Okay, they're growing from the the base in the in the jaw, the teeth continue to grow and they wear them down. They grind down on the food that they're eating. Now in South America, particularly in Peru on the plains there, they, they have something called itchu 
grass, which is very coarse. Uh, I'm not sure we would call it grass, actually, but it's a it's a plant that they tend to have a lot of on the plains, and alpacas will feed on that, and they graze that, and they chew. It's very hard, so it tends to wear the teeth down. So the teeth keeping growing, are being worn down, and that goes through the through all of their lives. So in the UK, particularly, we we give them we give them nice food, we give them soft hay, we give them good grazing and they don't have to work quite so hard so sometimes that's when you get the situation you have to look at the teeth uh, particularly useful to do that when you're doing the shearing and you can just tame them so sometimes they need a bit of a filing down sometimes they need a bit more uh, attention and if that's a serious bit of attention then you need to to have professional help um, from a vet or from somebody who knows how to do the teeth for alpacas and the other thing that alpacas have in terms of teeth is they have fighting teeth. Oh, what are they for? I wonder what those teeth are used for. They're called fighting teeth, <laughs> particularly in the males. Oh, there we are. There's an explanation. So the males will fight and they have these teeth and it's, a, it's two. Okay, thinking about top and bottom. We've got one pair on the bottom. We've got two pairs on the top. And you need to make sure that the tops are taken off and filed down so that they're not going to cause any damage to themselves or particularly to other alpacas, to the to the other males, if they're in a group of males. And particularly, they're not going to cause any damage to you. And you go sticking your hand in there. I always, as they are getting older, use that gap between the front teeth and the back teeth. There's a little bit of a gap in the... the and when this fighting tooth starts to come through, there's a sharp razor dagger kind of tooth in there which catches the end of my thumb and uh, I'm in trouble. I have a little cuts that, that I get. And it's an age thing. And again, they come through around about two years old, I guess. Um, now, that's the males, but you also get them similar teeth coming through, not as pronounced and not as, as big, not as, as vicious, but nevertheless still present and still quite sharp. So you'll find those in the females as well. But it's mainly the males and they're fighting teeth because they use them to fight. So that's the teeth. And these amazing mouths that they have, they, they're capable of eating prickly things like grazing and browsing on uh, gorse. We have gorse very prickly, but the fresh flowers and the fresh growth there, they will take that. And also the, the bramble leaves, the prickles and all that. So they manage to do that. So it's, they have amazing mouths. Spitting. Let's talk about spitting. <laughs> Alpacas do spit. Uh, you have to work hard at making them spit, usually. But they sometimes will spit at each other and you happen to be in the firing line. The other one ducks and you're, you're left <laughs> catching the spit. Um, also, sometimes they're spitting at each other to warn others coming in closer to hold back and not come near the food bucket which you're holding. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're facing you and therefore they spit at you even when they're not spitting at you, if you understand the difference. Um, so yeah, spitting. So where does that come from? Well, that's regurgitated from the stomach contents. They are semi-ruminant. A true ruminant would have four stomach compartments. Alpacas are semi-ruminants and they have three. So they eat the grass, they capture it with those amazing teeth and they swallow it down and then they chew the cud. Later on, they'll sit down, cush down and they will chew the cud. And they'll bring back a mouthful of this green gunk chew it on, 
and it's it's kind of a figure eight mo- motion, a rocking motion, and it grinds it really fine and it swallows it down into the next stomach compartment, and then it goes into the third uh, and uh, and final stomach compartment before it goes into the general intestines. So this is the uh, spitting and the general fact that they're um, ruminants; they chew the cud. So that's similar to sheep, but slightly different. Um, what else have we got there? We got kicking. Spitting is a breakaway skill. Um, they're not. It's not aggressive. They don't come at you to spit at you, but if if they feel threatened, they will spit in order to get free and break away. Kicking's the same thing. They they don't go looking to kick you, but if you're too close, or if you're in the wrong place, or if they feel threatened, in or you're going fishing for a foot to check out those toenails that I talked about, then you might find that they'll they'll kick. They will kick with the back legs, and they tend to go straight back. And there are exceptions to that rule. So some will go up and out. Some of them are very clever, and I get, I've been kicked a number of times by some of those clever ones. Uh, I thought I was in a safe place, and I, and I still got kicked. Mm, there you go. So, so they kick. So that's a bit different. Um, yeah. The other thing that they use for protection is they have an alarm cry. It sounds a bit like a donkey braying. There are certain animals that seem to take on the role of protector and they will they will notice things and they will be the ones at the front often where if there's a threat, they'll move forward. But also they'll see the threat and they'll go into the alarm cry. Uh, if there's a dog around, a fox around, something that they feel is a threat. Sometimes it's a squirrel. Sometimes it's a rabbit. I think, girls, come on. This is not a big threat, but... Ooh, don't know what this is. So they'll do that. Cats, they don't like cats. I'm not sure there's the creepy... Where they go low to the ground and kind of creep a bit so that the cats uh, tend to cause a reaction in the alpaca. So you get the alarm cry. And that's kind of unique for alpacas. Other animals make noises. And you get a humming. They kind of touch base with each other. Is there a threat? Is there a, I'm just feeling a little bit anxious. I'm here. Are you there? And there's that kind of communication and a communication between um, mum and uh, offspring, mum and the career. There's a lot of talking goes on. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's, and that's speech. That's not speech, is it really? Not speech, but that noises that they make to communicate. Hmm. Another unique characteristic is is the uh, whole breeding side of things. They're induced ovulators. What does that mean? It means that there's a cycle going on, the maturing of the egg, and the releasing of that egg, the ovulation, occurs with the act of mating. So there's something that goes on there that means that the, the egg's released. And if it's um, fertilized, it can implant, depending on, the, on where it is in the cycle, accompanied by a sound that they make called orgling. And it's a very particular sound. And that has to be there. The the irritant factor in the semen needs to be there. And the depositing it actually right through into the uterus, that needs to be there as well. So this is a, a more unique factors relating to alpacas, which is different. Another animal which is an induced ovulator would be a cat. There's quite a lot of similarities between cats and alpacas, actually, strangely. (laughs) Not saying they're related in any way, but there are quite a lot of similarities there. So that's an interesting little distinctive, the whole kind of breeding side of things. 
after the mating, the hormone level will change and the behavior changes. So they will refuse a male. So we're doing a meet, matings, we'll do the mating on a particular day, we'll do it another seven days later, and then another seven days after that. The first seven days, the hormone levels change because of the, the act of mating. And that means then, uh, well, she's going to refuse, so she's going to spit. The test, the physical test of bringing a male to the female again to see whether she'll sit uh, or spit, it's called a spit-off. And that's the way that, that you can do a test. And you can get a pretty good idea whether a female is pregnant or not using the spit-off. Later on, after about two months, the fetus will have developed enough to be scanned, um, abdominal abdominal scan, and tested to see whether they're, they're pregnant that way. So that's you do both, but spit-off. And it's caused by the hormone levels raising because of the act of the baby. It's quite a complicated little system going on there, that whole kind of breeding, breeding system. Amazing things going on with the immune system, with the, the, the alpacas. Uh, camelids in general. So camelids, camelid-like, like a camel. South American camelids are animals that come from South America. So that's the llamas and alpacas. And the, the, the wild versions of Vicuña and Guanaco. But we don't tend to have those out of South America so much. There's a few herds around, but not so many. But it's mainly the, the llamas, the domesticated llamas and alpacas. And the... Uh, the immune system is quite interesting in that it is a bit different from others. And they were able to do some work there uh, the, with the, looking at the possibilities of developing um, vaccines and things using some llamas. I think they were, it was a particular thing, but llamas and alpacas, they were both investigating whether that could help develop vaccines for the pandemic, for COVID-19. So that was an interesting extra something going on with the immune system of camelids, but alpacas. And finally, the unique characteristic, the fleece. The fleece, well, fleece is a form of hair or fur, or it's it's that kind of equivalence. But other species like sheep will have fleece, but it's quite coarse, and it, the surface of it has, has got a lot more uh, scales. Alpaca, therefore, doesn't have so many scales, but also the centre of it, it's a, it's a hollow fibre. Okay, compared to sheep's wool, which is a solid uh, fibre. So alpaca fibre is hollow, it's light, and it, is, it has very good properties of insulation, etc. And the fineness and the, the lightness and the warmth that you'll get there from uh, alpaca fleece is quite different. Uh, there are similarities, and some of the top quality sheep's wool you can have some amazing soft and all the rest of it, and crimp, etc. characteristics. But the fleece is quite distinct in alpacas. And it, it doesn't have lanolin. Sheep's wool has lanolin on it. It can be quite greasy. But when you're doing the shearing of sheep, uh, it gets complicated because the floor gets really quite slippery. And they tend to wear kind of moccasins and, and kind of things over their, their feet to stop the people doing the shearing, to stop them sliding around. It's quite greasy, um, the lanolin, it has to be washed off, washed out when you're processing the, the fleece. Much finer on the alpaca fleece. And it's not lanolin, it's something else. Surin is its name, but it, it's just different. Anyway, it's not as greasy, much finer. And a lot of people will refer to alpaca fleece as being hypoallergenic. Now, that's a tricky one, uh, but it, it is. it does tend not to cause as much reaction to people when they have it up next to their skin. Some people are very sensitive 
to the lanolin, to sheep's wool, and less so to the alpaca. Whether whether it's fully tested and certified to be hypoallergenic is a different matter, and I'm not going to get into that argument, but it is it is special. So the fleece. So we, we've got these range of things to do with alpacas, which are really quite specific and different from all of the other things. So they're, they're similar. Yes, they are similar in terms of the digestion, in terms of the, the physical structure, etc. But yet they are also different from sheep, certainly, uh, and other species that we'd have general contacts with, like, like goats and things. So very different with some similarities. So I'll accept the similarities, but I do want to say that they're different. They're amazing animals. If you can, spend a bit of time with them, looking out for the feet, the ears, the mouth. That might be more challenging. Uh, watch out for the spitting. Be careful with that one. And the kicking. Listen, see if you hear any of the alarm cry. The breeding side of it, you're less likely to have some direct contact with that, but just be aware that there's some differences there and their immune system, etc. And then into the, the fleece. And if you get a chance to handle some alpaca fleece, it's well worth some raw fleece, just just seeing what it, just the fineness, the softness, the lightness, the the insulation properties of that. Very unique. I'm biased. I know I'm biased, <laughs> but I'm allowed to be. And I'm sure there's some very nice sheep out there, but there's some amazing alpacas around for sure. If you can, go spend some time with your alpacas and I'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.